Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome again to it. Welcome to an episode of the uh, PSFBC Extra. Uh, this is Ryan Hancock, one third of the PSFBC, uh, the Poetry Street Social Football Club Family Tree. Uh, we're so happy to have you here. We hope you had a wonderful Fourth of July. And I will be talking with Sam Woken, uh, who is the U.S. Today College Football Writer. We got we're going to be talking about the ACC as well as his as well as his article regarding UAB football. He's going to be. Without further ado, welcome again to an episode of the uh, Poetry Street Social Football Club. You can join join me on uh, Twitter at rhancock19. And also, uh, you can also check me out on Thursdays, on Wednesday nights, sometimes on Wednesday nights and Thursday mornings on Crescent City Radio here in New Orleans, Louisiana. So without further ado, we're going to have – I'm texting him now. Uh, um, texting him now uh, so um, we can get the show on the road. We have a lot of stuff to talk about regarding the, the ACC uh, this year. Uh, this, last year, of course, you know Clemson. Oh, here he is right now. All right. Dan, how you doing this morning? I'm all right. How are you? How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, Dan. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of humidity here in Louisiana, so that's you know that's pretty much a daily thing for us here in Louisiana, especially during the summertime. Um, uh, that being summer. said, well, we, yes, like you know, you and I, we both lived in Memphis. You know, whenever it's like 90 degrees in Memphis and like maybe low humidity. That's like that's like one of the things that I do miss about Memphis. Like sometimes like having eighty five degrees and no and little humidity or ninety degrees and little humidity. Whenever it's ninety two here, it's like a hundred percent humidity and you're probably you're taking like five or six baths a day here in here in New Orleans. But that's not why we're here. Uh we're here to talk about the ACC. But first we're gonna talk about your article about UAB football. Uh being from Memphis, you and I were both familiar with how uh, with with uh, UA, the UAB football program uh, because of Memphis and UAB's uh, involvement uh, membership in Conference USA. When you did this story on the on the football program, what was the first thing that you took away when you were doing the story on UAB football? Well, the first thing is that. They are trying to come back in a very short period of time. Against an FBS schedule, a Conference USA schedule, in the span of a thousand days, which which is tough to do. Uh, That kind of timeline has rarely been pulled off by anybody. And also that they're doing it now with – 
a great facility that they're building. They've committed money to it to try to bring it back the right way as opposed to just coming back for the sake of coming back. Uh, and the reason they're able to do it all is because they've got a coach in Bill Clark who I think most people had not heard of before 2014, but was really the foundation for people committing to the program, uh, to, to wanting to bring it back. And he, without him, I don't think it ever would have happened. So um, I think that's, those are some of the big takeaways I had from, from working on the story. You also, do you think, you know, before there was like very little like corporate sponsorship with UAB football prior to what happened? Whereas with basketball at UAB, you know, you and I, we both know UAB is a huge basketball school, which is a rarity in the South, unless if you're Kentucky or Louisville or, or the North Carolina schools. But how has the business community in Birmingham stepped up? Uh, as opposed, I mean, because prior to that, it seemed like the, the Birmingham business community kind of had this, you know, hands-off, we don't really care about UAB football attitude now. The Birmingham community, the Birmingham business community, has gone all in with with UAB football. Yeah, sure. Look, um, I think throughout its history as an athletic program, which is not a long history, UAB has only really been around in college athletics since since the eighties. Um, they've been sort of the stepchild in, in the state. You know, they you've got Auburn, you've got Alabama, and I think most people in the state identify with one of those two programs. So it's, it's been very hard for UAB, you know, even for alums of the school or people who who have some sort of association with the school to fully back UAB as an athletic entity, because uh, it's only been around for 30 something years, whereas their affiliations with Auburn and Alabama run much, much deeper. And, so UAB's never had the kind of funding or the kind of uh, advantages uh, that, say, Memphis has had with FedEx, where uh, you've had you have a large corporate uh, Fortune 500 company that is in the city that that has invested in in the athletic program because they believe that it makes the city better. UAB's never had that sort of thing uh, until now, and I don't think it was necessarily. Uh, you know, easy for for the school to to go out and get those programs or get those companies on board before. Uh, but what you saw after they announced that they were disbanding football was that the enrollment at UAB ticked down. You know, whether that was directly related to the football thing, I don't know. But you know, from a brand perspective, I don't think that announcement helped UAB's brand in any in any way whatsoever. Um, and you know, at the same time, the city of Birmingham is going through a bit of a renaissance right now. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, development and redevelopment that's going on in their downtown area. Uh, a lot of money being poured in, and, and it's a much it's, – it's, it's become a really uh, desirable city in, in a lot of ways. And, and so I think the business community there has finally realized that in order to keep that – trajectory going upward that UAB having uh, an athletic program, a strong football program in the, in the city of Birmingham 
is a net plus for attracting and recruiting students to go to UAB and, you know, people coming to Birmingham and that ultimately more UAB graduates and making UAB a better school benefits their businesses in the long run. So I think that was sort of the trigger to get those people on board. I'm looking at their schedule, um, and they open up against Alabama A&M on September second. They do have uh, like a game against Florida in later on in the season, November 18th. But they really have a pretty winnable schedule on on paper because you got North Texas, uh, you got they got Rice at home, you got North Texas. Uh, you go to North Texas, they go to uh, Texas, uh, Texas San Antonio. They get Southern Miss, uh, Charlotte. But they do have, I mean, they, on paper, this schedule will have them at least to have them winning three, maybe four to five games. And would you, if they win five games this year, would you say that's a success? Yeah, you just don't know because they really are a startup program. You know, they retained, I think, 14 players from uh, 2014, guys who essentially just decided not to transfer, decided to stick at UAB uh, for a variety of reasons and, and not play football. Uh, a lot of those guys, you know, who knows how, how effective they're going to be, but they're certainly older, they're more mature, uh, and they've been helpful in, in helping balance out the classes. I think one of the problems any startup program faces is how to balance out your upperclassmen and your freshmen and sophomores when, you know, you, you want to build for the future, but you also want to have some older players to at least provide a little bit of a foundation. So, you know, they've brought in some junior college guys. Uh, they've, but while understanding that the, the true foundation of their success is going to be in the freshman and sophomore classes who are probably going to be their more talented players. So I really don't know. And I don't think they know, how that will translate first year onto the field. They were practicing three days a week last year. They scrimmaged on Saturdays last year, scrimmaged each other. But, you know, when you get on the field against a, a, a real opponent, you know, I, I just don't know how you can know what to expect. Uh, you know, usually as a coach or as a fan, you look at a team and you see what guys did the previous year, and then you project that, you know, they're probably going to get a little bit better the next year. And, and and that's how you formulate your opinion of what a team could be. With UAB, we just don't have sort of foundation. So um, there's no way to really project, you know, whether they're going to be a five-win team or a four-win team or a seven-win team or anything like that. We'll just kind of have to see how it goes. But I do know that they have a good head coach in Bill Clark, and that's a good place to start. Well, we're now going to shift over to the ACC. Of course, last year Clemson won not only the ACC, but they also won the national championship. The first game, the first thing is how can Clemson replace Deshaun, uh, um, Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Well, I don't think they're going to replace him uh, because he was a once in a you know decade type of talent at the quarterback position. And, and I don't think that they would expect anybody to come in and, and be as good as Deshaun Watson or do as much individually as he did for that offense. But you know, I think Clemson, the way they've recruited the last four years uh, and the way that they keep developing guys defensively with Brent Venables, especially up front, 
uh, with with that defensive line. Uh, I think that they'll have a chance to remain an elite team. And, you know, they they've been very good at at, at evaluating talent, at, at developing talent. Uh, offensively, they always have skill guys at wide receiver. Uh, they always have. And, you know, they get into Florida and, and, and get really fast guys out of there every single year. So, you know, I think, you know, their perimeter talent will be good. You know, I think at running back, they'll, they'll have a hard time replacing Wayne Gallman. I mean, he was, I think, an underrated part of their success. You know, defensively, Ben Boulware at linebacker, I think he is a huge loss for them because he did so much in terms of, you know, calling out signals and identifying what the other team was going to do and, and getting people into the right position. So look, it's a different team and, and there's, there are places on their roster where you will look at it and say, you know, how are they going to replace this guy or that guy? And, and what do they have? But, you know, I think just from a, a big picture standpoint, you know, they, they should be very good on the defensive line and very good on the offensive line. That is a great place to start for Clemson. And, you know, if they are able to get the kind of, you know, step up from players that they've been grooming at, at certain positions, you know, in the secondary and uh, at wide receiver, and, and then we'll see about the quarterback position. I mean, I think they're well well positioned to, uh, you know, to maintain a high level of success uh, in the ACC. Well, one of the guys I'm looking at is Dexter Lawrence, who was a uh, who rolled up 78 tackles. He rolled up seven. He also before the seventh back as a freshman, and also defensive tackle Christian Wilkins. Those are two guys I'm definitely looking at uh, as anchors for that defense. And then on on that line, they got Mitch Hyatt, who was a uh, Mitch Hyatt uh, at at left tackle. So as I said, the line is the the defensive line should be okay. Uh, they I, I do know that that. November 11th game against Florida State. That's one game uh, that is on my calendar to watch uh, for the ACC. Now, Louisville, Louisville, of course, with Lamar Jackson uh, winning the Heisman, they really struggled down the stretch. I mean, this team beat Florida, destroyed Florida State last year, but they uh, also had some, but they also had some head scratches. Uh, and they ended up losing their bowl game. Uh, they lost to LSU in the bowl game, in the Citrus Bowl, twenty-nine to nine. Can first first question is: Can Lamar Jackson um, repeat as Heisman as Heisman Trophy winner? And the second question is: um, The second question is: How good can Louisville be? Can they overtake because they get Clemson at home? They do go to Florida State um, in October, but they get Clemson at home. Will they win one of those two games, or will they lose both of those games to Clemson and Florida State? Well, I mean, it's a long time from now when, when you talk about those kind of games, and a lot is going to happen in, in the early part of the season that will uh, tell us about Louisville. Um, I think it's hard for – any player to to repeat as as Heisman Trophy winner for a variety of of reasons, and and one of them just being that you set that standard uh, when you win it the first time, and the expectations coming into that next year are so high that that they're almost impossible to meet. So I, I would bet against Jackson winning it uh, a second year in a row. Um, I think the bigger issue with him and and with Louisville is in talking to coaches 
in the ACC, uh, what I figured out is that, that early in the season, you know, people were really afraid to bring pressure against Louisville because, you know, they felt like Lamar Jackson, his skill set, uh, that that he would just carve you up if you, if you brought extra guys. You know, he would he would be able to to neutralize that uh, with his speed and running ability. Um, you know, but what you found out against Houston last year when you know when those guys just basically you know brought the kitchen sink on every play is Louisville's offensive line wasn't very good and that they just couldn't handle it. And Lamar Jackson, as good as he is. He's not the quickest decision maker. You know, that, that was, I think, exposed a little bit in the latter part of the season. And, and so you saw defensive coordinators change the way they were playing against Louisville after that Houston game. And it's not any surprise that, the correlation, that there was a correlation between that approach and, and how much he struggled down the stretch. So uh, it'll be interesting to me to see coming out you know, how Louisville has spent the summer uh, trying to neutralize the blitz or trying to uh, figure other things out that they can do with Jackson and, and how good their offensive line is, how much better it's gotten uh, this year. Because if it's not any better, I think people are going to continue to try to, to bring pressure against them and, and really, uh, you know, rock his world a little, a little bit. And, you know, if that's the case, then, then Louisville is going to struggle. Virginia Tech last year, ten and four in the in the AC, ten and four. They uh, beat Arkansas in the Belt Bowl. This year, I mean, look, I'm looking at their schedule. They get Clemson at home on uh, on September 30th, but they also play Duke. Uh, they, I mean, they play Miami. They go to Miami, uh, Miami, and they uh, go to Georgia Tech, and they also play. Uh, play they close out of course with Virginia. So on paper, this looks like a, at least a nine to ten win team. Um, what do you? What's your opinion of Virginia Tech uh, as we as we enter the 2017 uh, season? Well, I think as a program, they're on a very solid footing. You know, it, this particular season, I think they're thing internally to maybe take a step back uh, there. Uh, look, they they did a great job last season. They got an unbelievable uh, performance from Jared Evans. Uh, at quarterback, who was a junior college transfer that a lot of people didn't know about. He decides to leave early for the draft, uh, somewhat uh, unexpectedly in a lot of people's eyes. And then, you know, you also lose uh, Bucky Hodges. You lose uh, Isaiah Ford. You know, defensively, you lose some, some key players. So this is a year where I think Virginia Tech cycles out some of their high-end talent and their upperclassmen that, you know, that were the, maybe the last couple of recruiting classes of the Frank Beamer era, I think will probably get exposed a little bit as, as maybe not quite as good uh, just because you, you did, frankly, see a drop-off in, in recruiting the last couple of years when people were speculating about, about Beamer's future. So um, the talent at Virginia Tech – is going to largely be in the freshman and sophomore classes. And I don't think that necessarily bodes well for them repeating a 10-win season. Florida State last year, they beat Michigan in the Orange Bowl. They are the odds-on favorites to win the ACC this year. Uh, they hit their schedule. They, of course, they kick off on September 2nd against Alabama. 
and they also go to Clemson. They go to Clemson on uh, November 11th, and also they uh, host Miami on September 16th. Does, is this the year that Florida State returns to the uh, college football playoffs? Well, look, it could be, um, but I, I think I think people are getting a little bit too excited about Florida State uh, right now. You know, they, they are a talented roster for sure, and you know, getting Derwin James back healthy is going to be huge for them. And I think defensively, they're going to be one of the top defenses in the country. But I think that if they don't get the kind of play from their offensive line that they need, then then they will not get to the playoff because it's just it's going to cost them a couple games. Uh, offensive line the last couple years has been uh, an issue, no question. Uh, DeAndre Francois, as good as he is, as tough as he is, he can't continue to take the number of hits that he took last year. Uh, and a lot of that is just due to poor offensive line play. And so I think Rick Trickett, the, the offensive line coach there, is under a lot of pressure to, to get that, that unit better and up to standards. And, you know, and if they're not, then it's, it's I think, going to ultimately be a disappointing season for Florida State. Um, they've got a lot of talent, and, and I understand why people are picking them to, to make the playoff and slot them in at number two ahead of that uh, opening game against Alabama. But, you know, I, name me the last team that's won at a super high level like that without a good offensive line. So I'm just really uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that group plays. Your coach, a coach that's on the hot seat in the ACC, and I and I think you and I can agree on this. This is uh, Steve Adazio at Boston College. Boston College just hired a new athletic director. Um, say that he is definitely on the hot seat at Boston College. Yeah, I mean, look, I know last year there was a lot of talk about Adazio, um, you know, and and I reported pretty early that. Uh, that they were leaning toward keeping him because they knew the athletic director was going to change. And so uh, this is going to be a year where they really are going to have to, to perform. And, you know, but you look at Adazio, I mean, he's gotten to, to a, a few bowl games at Boston college. I mean, I, they've weathered some storms there. I don't know that I'd be rushing to, to, you know, to get rid of him, but this year will definitely be important to his future there. Um, you know, there's been a lot of coaching changes in the ACC, so you know things have sort of stabilized. But there's no question that Adazio and I would say Dave Doran uh, this year are the two that jump out as you know needing to, to have good seasons to to remain in their jobs. Well, I think with, with Dave Doran, you know they got to a bowl game last. They, I mean, they've been to three straight bowl games, but they haven't won more than eight games since he's been there at North Carolina State. Uh, since it, since he's been at North Carolina State, and then uh, with with Boston College, uh, I know we're not talking about basketball, but basketball they the, the biggest mistake Boston College ever made was firing Al Center and getting Steve Donahue, and then they went to Christian, and they're paying for it <laughs> big time on on the basketball side, and with football. You know, yeah, they've gone to bowl games, but I think, you know, I'm with you on that. I don't think that they're going to make a change regarding uh, football. Now, basketball, that's probably a different story because basketball uh, at Boston College is a joke right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been an athletic department that's gone through through some rough times for sure. Uh, it's a tough job. It probably, you know, from a lot of perspectives, geographically, culturally, doesn't really belong in the ACC. You know, they they've always been sort of a sort of a Big East uh, program, but you know, there's no more Big East, so they're here in the in the ACC, and you know, they don't have a great recruiting uh, advantage anywhere. Uh, they don't have a great fan base. You know, it's a pro market. So, look, um, I just think that, that the new athletic director there, Martin Jarman, is a super young guy, and uh, he's definitely got some uh, uh, fresh ideas and fresh perspective. He comes from Ohio State. He knows what a, a good athletic department, a well-run department is supposed to look like, and he's got a, a big challenge on his hands. So uh, part of that is, is getting basketball right, certainly. But, you know, football-wise, Boston College is a program that has had some history and, you know, some, some terrific players. I mean, you know, how many, how many programs have, have, had ever, have ever produced two quarterbacks as, as, you know, as good as Doug Flutie and, and, and Matt Ryan? You know, so they, they have some things to sell there, but it's just a tougher, it's a tougher situation. And, um you know, I, we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what what happens. But uh, Adazio's been pretty good there. I think better than some people want to give him credit for. And uh, you know, again, I think we'll we'll just have to kind of wait and see what this year holds. All right, we're gonna close this out with uh, three with three uh, things in this uh, coaching game camp ACC champion game you're looking forward to, and who is going to be your most valuable player in the ACC. Uh, my 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 uh, ACC champion. I'm gonna pick Florida State. Um, I think Florida State has a lot coming. You know, Florida State is my pick for the ACC championship. Uh, and the game I'm looking forward to is November 11th when Florida State takes on Clemson. And my pick for ACC Player of the Year. I am not gonna go. With, I am gonna go with. Um, <clears throat> I'm picking uh, I'm picking Dexter Lawrence defensive tackle out of Clemson. That's what I'm picking. Well, I so, would agree with you on your... two of the three. Uh, you know, look, I think Dexter Lawrence is the best, is the most talented player, regardless of position in the ACC, and I think he's going to have an unbelievable year. I mean, he's he's practically. You know he's practically unblockable, um, and it'll be interesting to see how teams try to deal with that. Uh, obviously, Clemson, Florida State is the defining game in in the ACC. Uh, that's kind of been a, a common theme year after year. But I'll disagree in that I think Clemson is going to win the ACC yet again. Uh, I think the game is at Clemson this year. Uh, I I think mm-hmm. that just overall as a program, Clemson's been better than Florida State. Um, you know, I think Clemson has a better coaching staff uh, than Florida State, and I think that that on defense, their matchup with what they've got up front versus the weakness of Florida State's offensive line, at least coming into the season, to me is is the defining uh, part of that matchup that will allow, um, you know, that will allow. Uh, uh, that to me will allow um, Clemson to beat them. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But anyway, Dan, thank you so much for dropping by. Uh, this, of course, is the uh, 
Poetry Social Football Club Extra, presented to you by your neighbors and friends at the Mordock Law Group and also Igor, 2133 St. Charles Avenue. So, Dan Wilkins, this is Ryan Hancock saying thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road.